Welcome. You're listening to the Beaver Dam Baptist Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. If you would like more information about Beaver Dam Baptist Church or have questions about today's message, please visit us on the internet at www.bdbc.org. Good morning, and uh, hopefully you are excited as I am to get to open up God's Word as we do each and every Sunday. I'm especially excited, obviously, because it's uh, a privilege for me to get the chance to share with you um, what God has been laying on my heart recently in uh, study and in my time ministering to the kids here at Beaver Dam. If you don't know, my name is Mark Shaddix. I'm the children's pastor here, and uh, I've been here since May of uh, just this past year, so not quite a year, um, and this past year has, uh, has been an adventure, and I've, I've loved every minute of it, getting to know the kids here at Beaver Dam, getting to know so many of you who serve alongside of, of so many folks, faithful volunteers here in the church, and, and so for, for me to get to share the word that we have for today, all about discipleship, um, faithful discipleship, and what it means to be kingdom-minded, um, I am I'm very, very excited for the chance to get to share with you uh, God's word and, and what he has shared with me. So um, we are going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I just want to uh, start as you're turning there, 2 Timothy chapter 2, by asking you the question, what comes to mind when you first think about the word uh, discipleship? When you first hear the word discipleship, what is the very first thing that comes to your mind um, in in discipleship and, and what, what do you think of? What is, what are, you know, word association? Uh, maybe, maybe you, you don't necessarily have a, a full definition, dictionary definition in your mind, and that's okay. Not very many of us do. Uh, maybe you're even intimidated by the word uh, discipleship. Maybe, maybe you know very well what discipleship is and you're in, in a discipleship relationship um, in, in multiple areas of your life. Um, but whatever your first thought is when you hear the word, the term discipleship, um, it's pretty safe to say maybe not all of us have kind of like the exact same definition of what is discipleship. And for that reason, uh, my goal, my desire for today is to give us a biblical uh, framework, definition, and, and scope of what, what is true faithful discipleship according to God's word. And so 2 Timothy chapter 2 gives us a pretty good picture of that, um, and we'll, we'll jump in in verses 1 and 2 in just a moment, but I want to tell you before we, we, we get started that I've got four main points for this morning, and those are the purpose of discipleship, and I alliterated, I'm sorry, it was an accident, but it just happened, it worked, and so it's the purpose of discipleship, the process of discipleship, the progress of discipleship, and then the product of discipleship. So hopefully you'll remember purpose, process, progress, and product. Maybe not, uh, but it worked out in, in my studies to, to alliterate in that way, and maybe that's, maybe that's a little overdone, or maybe you like it because it helps you remember it. But that's where we're going for today, uh, is to understand what is true biblical discipleship. How can we be that's you and me. How can we be kingdom-minded as we pursue faithful discipleship in our lives? And so the purpose of discipleship, 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 2. You know, I told you guys to turn there, and I didn't turn there myself. So hang on just one, one moment. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we have in, in these two verses, in verses 1 and 2, um, Paul is writing to Timothy in this letter. That's why it's called 
2 Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy who, uh, Paul is discipling Timothy in the faith, right? Uh, If you're familiar at all with their relationship, you know that Paul is kind of like a father figure and a mentor to Timothy, and he is leading him in in the faith and leading him to know the Lord and, and to grow in his relationship with Christ and how he ministers to people in the church, in the early church. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we see these two verses, and it's a pretty short passage for us to get started on, but ultimately we see a a very vivid picture and definition of what true biblical discipleship is and should be. And as we jump into this and kind of look at and try to define and, and frame out what discipleship is all about. Uh, I just wanted also to say that I recently, in the last year, had a friend, a ministry friend of mine, have a conversation with me about how the church, church leaders like myself, um, should get away from using words like this discipleship, how we need to to go back and we shouldn't use church words. We shouldn't use um, churchianity uh, words that only confuse people. And, And I have to say, I strongly and firmly disagree that the word discipleship is, is biblical and, and what it means to be a disciple of Christ is biblical. And we see here the example and the picture of true biblical discipleship should encourage us and help us to desire to lean in more into knowing what is, what is real discipleship and how can I be part of uh, discipleship, the discipleship process in, in my life and the lives of others. And so as we see here in 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul gives us a picture of multi-generational discipleship. And so if you're already sick of me saying the word discipleship this morning, hold on, because we're going to keep on talking about it. But Paul Paul gives us four four generations of discipleship here. He first talks about, in verse 2, he says... The, what you have heard from me. So he's talking to Timothy and he says, the things about Christ that you have heard from me. So this is the first, the first generation, Paul teaching Timothy. And then he says, those things that you have heard from me entrust to faithful men. So then we have Timothy to these faithful men. So we have Paul to Timothy to these faithful men. So that's, that's three tiers now, Paul, Timothy, faithful men. And then he says, those faithful men should then be able to teach others also. So we have Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and then the others that those faithful men are gonna teach. So we have four generations of discipleship pictured in one verse. And for that reason, I'm very encouraged that we have this biblical picture, example of what discipleship should look like. And when we wrap things up and get to the very end, I'm gonna point out that each and every one of us, all of us in this room, should desire to be in Timothy's spot in this, in this list. That we're not Paul, we're not the ones where it starts with, right? We need to have someone pouring into us like Timothy has, but then we should be pouring into others who then should be pouring into even more people, right? And so we should, we should try to find our place in Timothy's spot in this, in this multi-generational discipleship framework that Paul gives us uh, a, a beautiful picture and example of what true discipleship is because ultimately discipleship is the process of, of sharing the message of hope in Jesus Christ with others for the first time and even more so after that for the sake of sanctification, right? And so discipleship as defined is, is really 
It's just the process of growing in, in knowing and, and, and growing in our knowledge of, of the Lord, in our faith in the Lord, and in obedience to the Lord's instruction. And so when we talk about discipleship, it's knowing and growing in Christ. It's knowing and growing in our knowledge of him, in our faith in him, and in our obedience to him. And so this, this process is just entrusting the message of the gospel. Paul says in verse one, he says, be strengthened by the grace of Christ. And those things that you've heard, the grace of Christ that you've heard from me, now it's time to take that on and share it with others. And so it's, uh, as we talk about discipleship this morning, I hope you hear me say that ultimately discipleship is, is not receiving the message of the gospel and then just uh, sitting with it and sitting around and holding on to it and, and, and bringing it in close so that no one else can touch it. It's taking it out so that others can receive it as well. And so I want to look back at, those, at the definition that I just gave you, that very practically speaking, the definition of discipleship is, is this process. First and foremost, of, of growing, knowing and growing in our knowledge of the Lord. So we see both in, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and in Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 that real sanctification, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity comes from knowing and the knowledge of the Lord. And so oftentimes I get wrapped up in trying not to be too much about what I know in scripture, not to be too much about uh, trying to grow in my knowledge, but scripture tells us that part of discipleship is knowing more, is studying, is learning more about who God is and who his word says he is and, and what he has done for us. And so uh, practically speaking, the first step in, in discipleship is knowing and growing in our knowledge of the Lord. And then, and then it's growing in our faith in the Lord. And this is one where I also this, this step in the process is one where I also tend to some, sometimes overlook. Uh, I almost, in, in my faith in Christ, which I just used the word faith, but in my faith in Christ, sometimes I almost forget about what faith really is and why faith is important to my walk with Jesus. And, and, it, and we see in scripture repeatedly that faith is obviously the foundation. Without faith, what are we even doing, right? Without faith, do we even have any reason to be here? Do we have any reason for this discipleship? Faith is that belief so much so that we trust in the Lord and allow that belief in him to affect the way that we live, our trust in, in the Father, right? And we see in Ephesians chapter two and Hebrews chapter 11 that faith really is the foundation of our belief. It is, it is what leads us into relationship with Christ and why it's important to know him. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse six even goes so far as to say that without faith, we cannot please the Lord. We cannot please him without faith. And we're gonna look more at Hebrews chapter 11 in just a few moments, but without faith, we cannot please him. So discipleship is, is growing in our knowledge of the Lord, it's growing in our faith in the Lord, and then lastly, it's growing in our obedience to the Lord's instruction. Because obedience really is the, the supreme test of our faith in God. If we obey him and, and follow his commands and instructions, then we, we are living out our faith. That if we say we believe and trust in the Lord, then we will obey him and that obedience will be what leads us into uh, that deeper faith and, and will be the supreme test of our faith. We see this in John chapter 14 and we see this in Philippians chapter two that 
when we obey the Lord, when we pursue him and, and obey him in the things that he has commanded us to do, then that is the test of our faith and, and the, the display of our faith to the Lord. It's what pleases the Lord. It's our faith in him that then is worked out in our obedience to him. And so jumping off of 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want us now to jump all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is a well-known um, children's ministry verse, family ministry verse, you've probably heard it before, um, but in these verses, we actually see and hear about what discipleship looked like in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, we see God's framework for discipleship in the Old Testament. We, we heard from Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 what discipleship looks like uh, in the New Covenant, but what did it look like before? And, and, and I will argue and, and present to you that Deuteronomy chapter 6 is still the, the mandate, the expectation for us in our discipleship today because ultimately discipleship is to take place in the church, yes, but also and maybe even more so in the home. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, the question then is, how does discipleship happen and, and what can I do about it? So we talked about how discipleship is sharing the message of hope and salvation in Jesus Christ with others so that they can know Christ for the very first time and then grow in Christ in those ways that we mentioned. Uh, but then ultimately, kingdom-minded discipleship should take place in the church, as I said, and also in the home. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, I'm going to read for us. It says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going to, to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. So we already see here, even just in verse 2, this multi-generational mindset that God had from the very beginning, from Deuteronomy, he has this mindset that generation after generation will need to be led into uh, a belief and, and faith in the Lord. So he says, your son and your son's sons by keeping all his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So then in verse four, um, we get to the Lord's command and what, what discipleship should look like in the household. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be as, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat, you are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. 
And so we see in these verses that ultimately discipleship, true discipleship, biblical discipleship, kingdom-minded discipleship starts in the home. And now you can, you can look at uh, different passages of scripture. Uh, Ephesians chapter four tells us that ultimately, you know, my job as a pastor, elder of this church is, is not primarily to do all of 90% of, 95% of the discipleship of our children. Sometimes that's what ends up happening is, is that we as families, and I'm guilty of this as well, think, well, we're taking our kids to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and, and let's let them be the ones, the ones that are serving there, the pastors and the, and the volunteers, let's let them be the ones to disciple our children. But God here gives us a very clear standard in that discipleship really needs to take place in the home because we can, we can talk all day long about how really if, if I'm the primary discipler of your fourth grader, for example, I only see that fourth grader, me as a staff member here at this church and his or her teachers and Sunday school and, and on Wednesday nights, maybe two hours, two, two and a half hours a week. But how much more time is that fourth grader spending at home where that discipleship, as God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter six, should be the priority of the household. And so as we talk about how does this kingdom-minded discipleship take place, we need to start in the home. Because ultimately, we, we have to ask the question, okay, discipleship, it's important, yes, it's biblical, yes, but what's the, like, what are, what are the, the, the main things? The who, what, where, when, you know, all that stuff. And so arguably, discipleship, who is, is for everyone, right? We all are expected, commanded, and called to be part of this discipleship process, right? And I, and I said before in 2 Timothy that we should desire to be in Timothy's spot, that we should have someone pouring into us and that we should be pouring into others so that they can pour into others, right? This multi-generational standard. And so all of us are expected and called to be a part of discipleship in some way, shape, and form, and especially uh, those of us parents in the room that, that still have young ones at home or grandparents that are still spending time with your grandchildren in large amounts, we have this calling and responsibility to be the ones who are sharing the gospel and leading by example in the gospel as we pursue kingdom-minded discipleship within our homes. And so this is that definition of discipleship that I mentioned before, the growing in, in our knowledge of the Lord and in our faith in him and then our obedience to his commands, that starts in the home. And so my children, right, we're, I'm still a little uh, groggy and sleepless with our now just barely two-month-old um, that is in the home. And so um, we have in front of our eyes three young children that I, I see a passage like this. This is a very daunting command because I've got three children that are under my care that I am responsible for in sharing the message of the gospel. And yes, that extends out further to the kids that are brought here to be redeemed, to be ministered to and discipled within the kids' ministry. But first and foremost, that discipleship should take place in my home. And, and I care for my children and, and your children very much so. Uh, and, and to think about, Taylor and I have even had conversations just recently about how important it is that we are praying for our kids and, and talking to them about important spiritual things that maybe sometimes we don't talk about because it's a little taboo. But in the context of our families, that should be exactly what we're talking about. 
we should absolutely be having uh, religious conversations around the dinner table, and we should absolutely be praying with and for our children or our uh, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles and grandchildren and the rest. We should absolutely be doing those things because it's a, a biblical mandate for us to start with this discipleship process in the home. So then we, we said who and, and what is discipleship, then when is, when is this discipleship supposed to take place according to 2 Timothy 2 and, and Deuteronomy 6? Well, ultimately, we need to be ready in season and out of season, right? That we need to be ready all the time to share the message of the gospel. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 talk about how we need to be ready at all times to share the message of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, that we should always be ready to share the reason for the hope that we have, that we should always be looking for that teachable moment with our children or grandchildren, that we should always be seeking that opportunity to maybe go across the street and talk to our neighbor who we know hasn't been to church in 20 years. We should always be looking for these opportunities for discipleship because we are constantly kingdom-minded about the way that we are living our lives, that Christ is supreme in all that, that I know and do and desire, and therefore I will be continually looking for those opportunities to share the message of the gospel and to help my children, my, my spouse, my neighbors, my family grow in the gospel. And so then that, that goes to where, and, and that's anywhere and everywhere, right? In the church, yes, discipleship takes place, but again, in the home is going to be where discipleship takes place so much more. So much more uh, discipleship takes place in the home, as we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then the question becomes, well, why? Why is any of this even important? What are we even talking about this for in the first place? And that is, discipleship and, and this process of sharing the message of the gospel is really why we were created in the first place. Because arguably, our entire purpose in life is to glorify the Lord, right? Hopefully no one in here would argue with me too much about that. I know uh, there are some differing opinions on that, but to, to glorify God is definitely number one or number two on the list on what we are created to do. Why I exist is to glorify God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in everything I do. Colossians 3.17, in whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and we, we have this command then also in Deuteronomy chapter six for discipleship. And so, as we pursue kingdom-minded discipleship, we can remember that ultimately in pursuing this, in pursuing faithful discipleship, we are pursuing this purpose that we have been given, which is to glorify God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And then lastly, the question, how? How are we supposed to pursue this kingdom-minded discipleship according to Deuteronomy chapter six? And that is simply intentionality in our relationships intentionality in your relationships at home with your children, with your grandchildren, with your neighbor, with your spouse? Are you being intentional to point others to the gospel in every area of your life? And I will say first and foremost that I probably fail more than you do at this very thing. I am the king failure at being intentional 90% of the time. And so don't see me standing up here talking about this thinking that I'm the standard and that I've got it all figured out. We're all growing, we're all learning, we're all pursuing this according to God's call on our life. 
and, and I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I be more intentional about the gospel with my kids? How do we implement family worship in our home? How do we, how do we make these things happen? And, and ultimately, the question then becomes, what does that discipleship, kingdom-minded discipleship, look like in your household? Because I'll, I'll tell you, um, it's really difficult to blame the generation that comes after us for their issues when it's my responsibility as this generation to raise the next generation up. And I don't want to start any controversial things or anything like that, but I often hear, well, this next generation, and I'm guilty of this as well, the next generation, this generation coming up, they're just, you know, they're just lost and hopeless. Well, it, it, that, falls, that responsibility falls on me for not raising them up to the standard that God has given us, that discipleship that we have been given. How can we blame the next generation if it was on me to raise them up and to build them up and to bring them up in the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so if when I, you know, am a grandparent, you know, hopefully years and years and years from now, um, and, and I look back on my children and, you know, just talk about an example, you know, hypothetical, Lord, please don't let this be so, but only one of my kids sticks in church and the, the other two kind of walk away from the faith. It, that's, on, that's on me, right? And so that's why it's so important for me right now to disciple in the home, to pray for them in their future. And I know there's some of us in this room that maybe even are struggling with that exact thing that all we can do is pray and put it in the Lord's hands now. But but let us take seriously this calling of kingdom-minded discipleship because the stakes are very, very high. And, and to kind of bring, bring it down a little bit, I'll just uh, confess some of my shortcomings in teaching four and five-year-olds t-ball. So our oldest uh, daughter, Leah, um, she just turned five in January, and this past fall, we signed her up for t-ball as a four-year-old, and that's probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, is to try and teach four- and five-year-olds how to play t-ball that have never played t-ball before, because they don't know the rules, they don't even know what it means to get out, they don't know why they need to touch home plate when they run around the bases, they don't know any of this stuff. They, all they know is there's a ball rolling across the field, and I need to run and go get it. Well, what do I do with it then? And so there's so many different parts of t-ball that, that come naturally to me because I played baseball basically from when I was you know, four and five all the way through up to high school. And, and so when, when I look at my daughter and she doesn't know what an out is, I kind of want to be like, how do you not know the whole goal of the game? Well, as her coach, it's on me to share with her the, the, the purpose of the game that we are playing. As much fun as we are trying to have, it is absolutely no fun if we don't know why we're playing the game or, or how to play the game. And so, you know, in, in the most fun way possible, uh, I tried to be a loving coach and father and teaching her the rules of the game um, and knowing firsthand experience on what it's like to have a father who maybe is a little overbearing in that. I try to not be overbearing in that, um, but it's a slippery slope, right? Because I want to just blame her for not knowing the rules of the game, but she's never played it before. She's never heard these rules. She's never been on the field. And the same is true in discipleship, that we have this calling and responsibility to lead up the next generation, to lead up those who come after us, that as we have been led up and built up by others, it's also our calling and responsibility to, to build others up who come after us. And so that then brings us to the progress 
of discipleship. And so this progress that we see throughout, uh, throughout discipleship, we have to ask, well, what can we measure on, and to know if, if true discipleship is happening in the first place? And the first place I'll send you is Galatians chapter, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Quick shout out to our Wednesday night kids, uh, because on Wednesday nights this semester, we have been going through all of the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them, and so we've spent nine weeks studying the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. We even had the kids grow little bean sprouts so that they can kind of see the process of growth and what it looks like for a plant to grow and how the fruit of the Spirit grows in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the measure of discipleship, is the fruit of the Spirit. Are you becoming more loving and joyful and and do you have more peace and are you more patient and all of the rest of those fruit of the Spirit? Are you growing in those areas as you're being discipled and are the ones you're discipling growing in those areas as well, which is where it becomes difficult as a parent because as I'm driving down the road and I'm not patient with those who I'm stuck in traffic with, then I'm, I'm not showing the kids in the back seat how to be patient as Christ has called us to be, right? Practical example. And so uh, we measure the progress of discipleship through the fruit of the Spirit, but then also go back to that definition that I gave, knowing and growing the Lord in, in the Lord and our knowledge of the Lord and our faith in the Lord and our obedience to his instruction. Are, are we becoming more knowledgeable of Christ and the things of the Lord? Are we becoming more faithful in God? Do we trust him more in our daily life? And then are we obeying his word and commands more and more every day? We can see the progress of discipleship as we look at these, these specific things. Um, And then I want to wrap up in Hebrews chapter 11. I want us to to land here in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of faith, as many of you know. The hall of faith for, uh, for our example here, we see in Hebrews chapter 11, so many faithful men and women from the Old Testament that believed in the Lord, that trusted in, in his plan and purpose, obeyed him, the, the measurable discipleship elements that we just talked about are on full display in their lives, and they continue to pass on this message of faith, hope, and obedience in the Lord to the next generation. And, and I'll just say, as we look at Hebrews chapter 11, and you, you know, there's, there's multiple examples you see in chapter, chapter, in chapter 11. You see in verse 4, the example of Abel. You see in verse 5, the example of Enoch. And, and all throughout there, there's all of these examples. And I want to encourage you to read all of Hebrews chapter 11 this afternoon. Um, and, and to read all of, all of these faithful men and women and their testimony that is uh, recorded here eternally in Scripture. And how we are... We are given these examples to follow in faithfulness. But without the generation that came before them, there is no faithfulness in any of these. And then the same is true for the generation that came after them, that there could be no faithfulness without them discipling and being kingdom-minded as they passed down the truth uh, about God and, and the hope that we have in him and in obeying him. And so discipleship took place uh, in, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see the, the definition and, and framework in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and then we see the product of discipleship in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and I just want to say, as we talk about, like, it's my responsibility to lead up my children, the next generation. It's my responsibility to lead up and disciple the next generation. It's our responsibility to, to make sure that we're being poured into and then it, to pour into the next generation. And I have... Uh, I, as I was writing this, I was kind of thinking like, 
You know, maybe some of you don't know this, but most of you, most of you will know that I actually attended church here at Beaver Dam um, from my sixth grade year until uh, my wife Taylor and I got married in 2013. So it's like uh, 13 or 14 years. I attended here as a middle school, high school, and college student until I got married and went off and we started serving at our first church. And there, no doubt in my mind that there's a lot of you in the room that are looking up here thinking like, how in the world did he get there? Like, how in the world is Mark Shaddix up there preaching a sermon? And I, honestly, I'm asking the same question myself. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is, the whole reason why I'm up here, yes, is the work of the Holy Spirit in me and my faith in Christ that, that leads me to grow in, in the Father more and more. Um, but it's, it's because of folks within this church and in our church here at Beaver Dam, our, our dedication and our intentionality in kingdom-minded, faithful discipleship. As I was thinking about this, I wrote down some of the names of a few people who discipled me uh, as I was growing up from sixth grade through, through college and married. And, and I thought back about folks like Farron and Cheryl Wilson, who were my Disciple Now host homes, uh, host home leader for multiple years during Disciple Now when I was a student. I thought back to John Russell, who taught me in Sunday school for many of the years in, my, in, in student ministry. I think back to Scott Hood, who was my youth pastor and who now is, is my boss. That's a weird dynamic, but I love it. I thought back about Brandon and Allison Stooksbury, Brandon teaching Bible study in his home. And, and Allison, as a senior in high school, Allison took me under her wing as a freshman. And so she's a senior, I'm a freshman, and she just made me feel welcome. Uh, you know, in, in youth group and in, in on the uh, spring break beach trip that we used to do, Chad and Haley Turner, I think about Burton Tara Solomon, Gilbert Watson, I think about so many folks in this church who have poured into me and led me deeper in my faith and trust in Christ, which without those people pouring into me, I wouldn't be standing here right now. It's because of their desire to lead up the next generation and to disciple according to, to God's word and, and our calling to, to be kingdom-minded and to, to pursue faithful discipleship. And then the Holy Spirit's work in that process and in their faithfulness. And so as we, as we kind of wind down, I, I just want to say we must, that's you and me, we must carry the baton of discipleship to lead this and the coming generations to know Christ and to make him known. That's our calling. That's our responsibility. 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul is, is, is telling Timothy, like, you have this message of hope and the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. Now share it with others who are going to share it with others. And so let's, you and me, let's be intentional about how we do that. And let's, let's remember to continue to pursue our church's mission even. Yes, the, the biblical mandate, yes, the, the biblical command, but in addition to that, our, church is, our church's mission statement is proclaiming God's word to make and mature believers. The process of making and maturing believers is, is discipleship. And so as we, as we exist as Beaver Dam Baptist Church with this mission statement, let's Let's pray that God would lead us to be, be more dedicated and intentional in how we disciple others, in how we are pursuing the possibility of being discipled by others. My hope and my prayer is that we will know what discipleship, biblical discipleship is, and that we will pursue it with intentionality for the sake of, of the next generation, for the sake of the glory of the Lord, and for the sake of the, the health of our church. 
and the, that the message of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ would go out into our community here in Halls and in Knoxville and in so many other places. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the incredible message of salvation in your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that as we, as we continue to think about what is discipleship, I pray that you would help us to pursue uh, kingdom-minded discipleship in our daily lives, that we would desire to glorify you by sharing, sharing the, the message of hope and salvation in your son, Jesus Christ, with intentionality, with the purpose of, of raising up and building up the next generation and in being built up by the generation that came before us. Father, we thank you so much for, for giving us uh, the definition and framework for discipleship, and I pray that we would pursue that according to your call and command in our daily lives, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.